I'm Rob. And I'm Nate, and I this, think. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. This is our week three of our Adam Sandler theme month, mm-hmm. in which we just finished watching the 2004 movie 50 First Dates. I had a little bit of a plan for starting this off. I'm going to buck my own plan, because mm-hmm. Nate, I want your first reactions before we wow, jump okay. into I wrote it in my journal. So, <laughs> 50 First Dates, is, it's, a, it's, it's a standard gross-out Adam Sandler comedy. We're talking about a walrus puking on a mannish German woman. It becomes rather sweet. It yep. does. I didn't. It, it won me over. I, I think it had a weakish first third and improved. And it's carried by the chemistry between Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, who is like, she has put adorable up to 11. She's like going full out on that adorable <laughs> thing in this movie. Yeah, and she, I mean, it works, but yeah. Well, so the the planned introduction I had for this episode, Nate, I wanted to ask you, why do you think I chose to show you this movie? You mentioned it before. I know it's one that's been on your list to show me, and this is the obvious opportunity to do so. Yes, but in the the nature of this Adam Sandler theme month, and the, considering the three movies we've seen so far, why do you think I would have picked this one? Oh, well, I think it's one of your favorites, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it is an Adam Sandler romantic comedy, as opposed to... Uh, Happy Gilmore, which had a slight romance in it, but I wouldn't really call it a romantic comedy. No, not at all. There's there's kind of a, a number of reasons, and I yeah. So why would I include this? This movie it reunites Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler without the annoying baggage of the 1998 The Wedding Singer. I don't know if you liked that movie. Oh, that was okay. I haven't seen it since like 1999. Yeah, and then it predates their third film, which was titled Blended. I forget what year that came out, but it has a lower aggregate score on IMDb than this one does. This is the only of their three films to be number one in the box office and to gross over $100 million. Dude. In the past, I had heard Adam Sandler say that his father told him this was the first of his movies that he was proud of. Mm -hmm. And that had an effect on Adam Sandler. And I think it kind of changed the way that Adam Sandler made movies. It deeply impacted him that his dad was proud of this movie and proud of him for this one and stuff. But I think that this movie marks a kind of a tonal shift for Adam Sandler. I mean, you can see shadows and and reminiscences of his earlier films in this, and there's specific homages to... Well, the very presence of Rob Schneider. Well, and then his kids doing the Happy Gilmore swing when they're playing golf. Yeah. But it it marks kind of a tonal shift in, in Sandler's career. He still makes goofy movies, and he has his bombs, but he didn't return to the land of Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Waterboy, or Little Nicky after this. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like, for me, it kind of felt like watching Sandler grow up at a time that my generation was also growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2004, I'd just gotten married, or I'd been married a little over a year, so I was new into marriage and all of those types of things and all that type of stuff when this came out so while this is still ultimately a comedy it includes more nuance and more plot than most of his other films prior to this I felt like this was a good representation of how Sandler's career changed after this point and it filled the second comedy slot more effectively than something like going back to the well of Billy Madison and it also represents the romantic comedies that he's made since this because this worked and made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 
and he has made I don't know I, I've lost track of how many romantic comedies he's made since do then do they work? yeah I'm skeptical you should get on Netflix and watch some of them he did right. he's done two with Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. he did another one with with Drew Barrymore because again it, like the, why would people pay for those if they didn't work yeah they may not all be as good as this one but they work they're good I still enjoy wa- watching Adam Sandler movies it also gives me some appreciation for his more serious movies mm-hmm. so yeah this movie was directed by Peter Siegel who I, I thought it was a kind of an interesting choice to have directed this I wasn't aware of who he was per se mm-hmm. having watched this the first time now I am but Tommy he was Boy. an established comedy director. He d- previously did, with Adam Sandler in 2003, he did Anger Management. Okay. So they had worked together two years in a row. Mm. He also had done t- Tommy Boy in 1995, as you mentioned. He did Naked Gun 33 and a third. And the worst Naked Gun movie. Yeah, and then to a lesser extent, he also had done The Nutty Professor 2. And My Fellow Americans. Yeah, but that came, I believe that came after this. No, that came earlier. That was oh, the did 90s. Okay. I wasn't familiar with that one, so I didn't put it on my list, but yeah. So this was my choice for the second Adam Sandler comedy. Yeah, the basic over plot overview is that Adam Sandler plays a guy named Henry Roth, who meets this and is intrigued by this lady named Lucy Whitmore, played by Drew Barrymore. And she has a condition, a, a tra- traumatic brain injury, which means that she has no short-term memory. Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. You didn't lose your short-term memory like that. I had a traumatic brain injury. Well, yeah, you did. You lost some memory, but not uh-huh. your permanent short-term memory. I had a traumatic brain injury. So you're now three-second, Nate? Yeah. yeah. The joke has run its course. Yeah. So Henry previously is kind of just a, a playboy that you know, has commitment issues. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. So the early part of the film is Adam Sandler cast himself as a love god. Yeah, and you have these sequences of all these women talking about their trips to Hawaii and how they had this romantic encounter with Henry Roth. Yes, and in each telling, he has a different career. Yeah, and then you told me something funny about one of those conversations. Yeah, so there's a scene where they're in a dentist's office, and the dentist is working on a patient and talking about her trip to Hawaii. The in that scene, the dentist is Adam Sandler's wife. The patient is Peter Siegel's wife, who is actually a dentist. Yeah. That's a very little Easter egg. Yeah. It was going to come out in the trivia either way, so, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah, so he starts to like this Lucy girl and is starting to change his ways. It's the first time he's wanted to have more than a short fling with someone. And he has to make Lucy fall in love with him every day. And that's the basic premise of the movie, is that he's now got to make her fall in love with him every single day. He's also a veterinarian. Yep. Working at an aquarium in Hawaii. And who studies walruses, and whose dream project is to take a boat that he is in the process of retrofitting up to Alaska to do studies. Yep. Underwater studies of, of walrus behavior. So, yeah. What other thoughts do you have on this film, film Nate? I was that first when did third. It, when did it win you over? Oh, that's a good question. Or when did it start to win you over? I don't know. Maybe when they were at the Institute and we meet Dan Aykroyd for the first time. Okay. It's a nice little supporting part for Dan Aykroyd. He's got a number of funny lines. Yeah, he would have flown in for a short yeah. period of time and filmed for a few days for a and, and yeah. goofed off and had a free trip to Hawaii. and mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But just as that relationship built and the fact that they were able to make make it quasi-believable. The uh, early restaurant scenes didn't do anything the for The early you? restaurant scenes were fine enough. Yeah. But it, they, they certainly established that that chemistry was still there from uh, the wedding singer, and if anything, it had deepened. Yeah. And you could just, you could, uh, you could buy it. You could buy this really unbelievable relationship structure working. And of course, over the course of the film, they have to have the complication. They come up with a system to she does a journal he does videos so that which well but prior up. to that when they first meet her family doesn't oh, know yes. what to do and so they've just been reliving the same day for just over a year yes so the day like they October would be October 13th yeah like, I think it was October 14th but uh, yeah October 13th you're right I yeah. wrote it down roughly 2002-ish because when he does the video to show her things that have happened in the last year it's a lot of 2003 events, the Martha Stewart going to prison, uh, the Schwarzenegger fall of being Schwarzenegger's elected. governor, Saddam Hussein statue being torn down in Iraq. Yeah, that video project would be uh, you. You could almost get like ex like if this were real, if this became famous, you would get all sorts of famous directors and editors that would want to do different versions of her memory. Yeah, know. well, and it would all be, be on updated YouTube. various times. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so they've been reliving the same day for a year and. They got into really elaborate. I called it the papers, pineapples, and paint. Yep. They have. They got all these copies of that Sunday paper, the day of the accident. They. It's her father's birthday. Their tradition was they would go and get a pineapple, so they'd have tons of pineapples. She paints murals, and so they have to paint over the murals she paints every day, so she can start afresh. It's very elaborate. Also watching the Vikings game oh, the Vikings every day, game and again. she gives him the same cassette of the Sixth yeah. Sense. I didn't see that coming at all. Did you? No, no, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, and they've watched this movie every day for basically a year. And yeah, so Adam Sandler comes along, and he decides he once he's learned about her condition and what's going on, he decides he wants to do something different. So he takes this book of her injuries, so that when she has a quote unquote bad day, they can show her what's happened to her, and they take her to the institute. And Dan Aykroyd explains things, and he takes it and he makes a tape. And so one day he wants to try this out. And so when she wakes up, they play the tape explaining to her what's going on so that instead of having to try and make her, you know, trick her into falling in love with him on the same day every year, you know, or, yeah, the same day of the year every single day, they can play the tape and give her a little time to absorb what she's just been fed and then actually spend time together. And it seems to be working for a while, and then one day she overhears... Henry talking to her dad and talking about his boat and his plans and how he's putting his plans off because he wants to be there for Lucy. So she decides that she's going to move into the Institute. Well, she, she kind of breaks up with him. Well, first she breaks up with him, yeah. And they go through this process of editing her journals. journals. Yeah. But when he leaves, she becomes kind of depressive. Like, she accepts the, the, the altered version of the tapes and the journals but she's just not happy, and she decides she's putting too much stress on her father and brother. The brother, of course, is played by Sean Astin, who with a, with a lisp. And who has an issue with steroids. Steroids and some of the side effects of said steroids. Yeah. Uh, but she commits herself back to the Institute, um, is teaching art, and the film climaxes with Sandler's about to go on his boat, and the Whitmore's father and son show up to bid him farewell, and one of the things they give him is a Beach Boys CD, we know from earlier in the movie that Whitmer Sr. 
uh, that, uh, there was a Beach Boy song that was his song with his late wife, and that Lucy only sings on the days where she interacts with him and sings that song, which is symbolic. That's her father and mother's song, so it's the song for the man that she wants to marry. And so he's pissed off that this uh, CD has been given to him because it's bringing up all sorts of memories and things that he'll never have. And he puts together that they still need to be together, that maybe she's remembering him because she's, your know, father says she's a nice still subtle way to deliver that. Yeah. And fortunately, he's not too dense. He figures it out. He takes his boat to the Institute, comes in, sees Lucy, says, do you know who I am? Thinking maybe all, all that impact has started to affect your memory. Him. And she says, no, but I need to show you something. Takes him into the studio where she's painted many a picture of him. So somewhere in her subconscious, he has lodged in there. And then we have flash forward to... It appears to be like three to four years later. Yeah. Maybe two, but... Well, no, it'd have to be at least three. It'd have to be at least three. And she wakes up in the boat, sees the little letter that says, play this videotape, watch me. Learns again about her accident, who Henry is. Sees a videotape of their wedding and uh, is told to make sure to wear a jacket because it's cold outside. Realizes she's on a boat, puts on a jacket, comes or well before that she opens the blinds and sees the glacier. Yeah, yeah. Comes up on deck and Henry's there and says, "Good morning, Mrs. Roth. Would you like to meet your daughter?" And it's all nice. Who appears to be around three? three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her dad's there on the boat as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a really again, their like you said, their chemistry is what sells this film. entirely. Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, they just click in this film. And they're both, I mean, Adam Sandler's given effort here. And as I said before, Drew Barrymore is, is going full, full Drew Barrymore in this movie. Full yeah. adorable. And it totally pays off. I have no idea how much editing work it took to make that work, but it, it really does work. And it even seems like they threw some of the outtakes into some of the videos, like the video she's watching on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like there's scenes where. It looks like that scene on the beach in the cove, but where they're laughing at each other, and it's in the in the video on the boat and stuff like that. I was just going to touch on some of the cast. As you mentioned, this has Rob Schneider playing a character named Ula. Sean Astin is Doug Whitmore, the brother. Lugia Struess is Alexa, the... Manish German one. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd plays Dr. Keats. You have Amy Hill playing Sue. There's just a familiar list of characters a in Adam Sandler very films. Very brief Maya Rudolph cameo as a fan. Yeah. But you have Blake Clark, who has been in previous Adam Sandler films. Maya Rudolph, that was a nice cameo. Jonathan Logren has previously been in him, in his films. I thought there was more, but I'm not catching them right now. Yeah, there's Jackie Sandler's credit as the dentist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a... Like I said, for me, this film works. Let's hit on some of the trivia. Oh, I've been to some locations in this one. Oh, that's right. I went on a family vacation to Hawaii in uh, 2019, and we visited, among other things, the Kaloa Movie Ranch, where many a movie has been filmed, going back to at least the 60s. And then there was a smaller, I think it was affiliated with that ranch, but it's off of the main property where the cafe uh, yeah. was. And I believe I've been in that building, but it had been gutted. There was none of the booths or anything left in it. Actually, speaking of that, the diner where Lucy has her breakfast every morning was originally a house that was remodeled for the movie. 
It is located on a macadamia nut farm on the nice. eastern side of Oahu, and the same house was used in Tears of the Sun in 2003, and for scenes from Jurassic Park from, from 1993 were filmed in the open fields nearby. Mm-hmm. Did you want to talk about any more of the locations? No. This film was among the first films in history to be released on the Blu-ray format. Ah. on June 20th, 2006. Wow. And it was released alongside The Terminator, Underworld Evolution, mm-hmm. Hitch, House of Flying Daggers, The Fifth Element, and Triple X. Those were the Blu-rays released that day. Not The Sixth Sense? Nope. The neurological condition from which Lucy suffers, the Goldfield Syndrome, is entirely fictional. The true anterograde anter- amnesia affects affects either short-term memory, which can last minutes or seconds, or intermediate-term memory, which can last days or weeks. Falling asleep has nothing to do with the condition, and sleep actually intensifies many chemical effects which help memory. So a totally made-up condition. Go to the Callahan Institute. Is there something that... Is there trivia about that? The clinic that they visit is called the Callahan Institute, and Dr. Keats, played by Dan Aykroyd, states that it is funded out of Sandusky, Ohio, by T.B. Callahan, the automotive components tycoon. In Tommy Boy, 1995, Aykroyd plays a rival automotive components tycoon that is attempting to purchase Tommy Callahan's company. Ah. I thought that, I didn't, I thought there was a joke about the name Callahan, but I didn't think it was another movie reference for the same director. Yeah, for Seagal, yeah. The original title for this movie was Fifty First Kisses, but changed to avoid confusion with Barrymore's movie Never Been Kissed from 1999. This movie would have been 50 times better. Yeah. We do a little math. The book Lucy Reads at Breakfast, Still Life with Woodpecker, A Short Story of Love by Tom Robbins, is a love story set in Hawaii. The inspiration for this film was taken from Harold Ramis' romantic comedy Groundhog Day. Uh There's several references to the Hormel meat product Spam in the movie. According to Hormel, Hawaii leads the nation in per capita consumption of Spam, Over 6.7 million cans are sold annually in Hawaii, which equals 5.5 cans per year per Hawaiian. Wow. Unlike most people, they welcome spam. Blake Clark, who plays the father, is a a U.S. Army Vietnam veteran, and he wears a hat from the USS Badger, DE-1071, named after Admiral Oscar C. Badger II, Medal of Honor recipient and the first Navy officer to step ashore in Japan at the end of World War II. Admiral Badger was the son of Rear Admiral Char- Charles J. Badger. And he sounds from, he looked familiar, Blake Clark did, and I'm seeing he's done a number of Sandler films, including uh, The Water Boy and That's My Boy. Yep. The yellow car that you, Lucy drives in this movie mm-hmm. is a 1973 Volkswagen thing. Wow. That's what that thing is. The Minnesota Vikings football game, Marlin and Doug Watch, was the Vikings game playing against the Detroit Lions on October 13th, 2002. Ah. The Vikings beat the Lions 31-24. One last funny one. At the end of the movie, Henry made a video for Lucy to let her know what had happened since the accident that caused her memory loss. In the video, Henry said in one card, Red Sox win the series. The next card read, Just Kidding. The movie came out in February 2004, and later that year, the Red Sox actually broke an 86-year drought and won the World Series. Drew Barrymore was on the field with Jimmy Fallon after the win while filming scenes for the movie Fever Pitch. Mm-hmm. It's also a good movie. Any ideas how this did in the box office? Ah, uh, well, you already told me it made over $100 million. So 
its budget was a whopping $75 million. Quite the budget. Yeah. But if you're in Hawaii for an extended period of time, that makes sense. Had an opening weekend of almost $40 million. That's good. Had a domestic gross of $120 million. Good. And a worldwide gross of, are you ready for this? Right. $198.5 million. That's really good, especially for comedy. You are always seem to be a little surprised by how much these Adam Sandler films make. Yeah, because I think that he's a con man and a lot of these are grifts. Well, I think a lot of it, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I, I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that a lot of his movies maintain a PG-13 rating. Whereas a lot of these other comedies, or even some of his other films, like Punch Drunk Love, did not maintain that rating. Mm-hmm. So, Let's talk about what critics thought of it. I was surprised. Not great. Kind of uh, divided. It has a 45% Rotten Tomato score and a 48% audience, or metric score. Yep. Though the IMDb rating is 6.8. How would you rate this film? If I processed it more, it might come down a little I, I would say seven and three. Yep. I might dilute it overnight to six and two and a half. Yeah. I actually really like this film. My previous rating coming into tonight, which I'm going to stick with, was eight stars on the IMDb 10-star scale. And on the four-star scale, I would agree with the three-star. It's good. Yeah. It, it, it again, it has, has a weaker beginning. I think that the div- division in the critics is this movie only works because of how charmed you are by Drew Barrymore and that relationship. And if that is enough to sustain kind of weaker comedy, there's there's some genuine laughs in it, but it's it's just kind of blah comedy. It's the relationship that makes the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, any other comments on this one? Oh, I think I said what I have to say. Okay, I'm wrong. Oh wait, no, I think I've said what I had to say. Who are you? No, wait. I don't think this will translate well. We'll find out in the edit. (laughs) I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this has been Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Oh, that's when my album of jazz standards comes out. (laughs) I didn't think your jazz had standards. (laughs) Neither does your imitation rim shots. You knew laughing was going to set me off. Mm-hmm. Brought to you by the Hawaiian Board of Tourism. And Spam. And Spam, yeah. yeah. You going to have Spam and eggs now this weekend? Yeah, I might. Well, it's been a long time since I've had Spam, spam and eggs. I haven't had Spam in a long time. Yeah. This movie may make me pay some Spam. If you want a better version, just go out to Jim's and get the uh, ham steak with the pineapple on it. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I had that... I don't know, one of the times, or a couple times, I think it was in May when we were there, I had it. I have this little bowl in my uh, little kitchenette for my trip to Hawaii. It's got knickknacks in it, and I was just, this was last night, I found inside it, I still had a pineapple candy from the 2019 trip, so I ate that. Nice. Perfect timing. Yeah. You didn't know that I was planning this for you. Well, I think I did. Well, probably. (laughs) But did you recognize it when you ate it? No, that that was that, that connection... See? Happened. It's just very subtle. It imprinted on me on a very subtle level. I've been drawing pictures of pineapple candies. See, but what you don't know is that I snuck in your apartment last night and, and actually put that there where you'd find it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not creepy at all. No, no, no. Oh. You know, 
I thought it was very appropriate that this movie ends with the stalker song as the credits. You know which one I'm talking about? Refresh me. Every breath you oh, take. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. The stalker song. And then they've got every the, move uh, you make. The the famous Hawaiian cover of somewhere over the rainbow, which yeah. is ubiquitous there. Yeah. Do you know the story of the recording of that? He got the studio up in the middle of the night and recorded. He just it. called him and asked if he could come down. Mm-hmm. Walked in, one take. Yeah. Or a couple takes, something like that. And just boom, just cranked it out. I just have this these images. They could make a sequel, and I just have this image of Drew of Lucy watching the tape. And it's like they're showing what's happened over the years. It's like and our first black president, he was a two-termer, yay! And then Donald Trump. Oh. What? That's what you're going for, huh? Mm-hmm. They did basically make the sequel. What was the name? Blended. That's not a sequel. So the plot of that one is basically they're both on a trip somewhere else Mm -hmm. with their kids recently divorced. Yeah. And they fall in love, so then they have a blended family. Here's mine and ours. Yep. Kind of. I mean, it is kind of a play on that, but Mm -hmm. it's the Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, quirky, you know, rom-com version of that. So 